25 years on the PGA Tour and a lifetime member of the PGA Tour and PGA of America. Jay Delsing brings you his perspective on one of the world's greatest games as a professional golfer and network broadcaster. It's the game that connects the pros and the average Joes. Brought to you by Whitmore Country Club. Golf with Jay Delsing is now on 101 ESPN. Good morning, St. Louis. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay. I've got my buddy John Perlis here. Perley, Sunday morning, the TPC. We got to We got to do. We're going to do this entire show on the TPC and preview. Talk about the golf course. Talk about the community. Talk about all of it. Yeah, just just a a great event to watch. Uh, the all the excitement coming down the stretch, but the the history behind it, the constant talk about it being the fifth major, just all those exciting things. Uh, it has absolutely made some players, and it has absolutely broken some players. No doubt, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, we've um, we formatted the show like a typical round of golf. This is the on the range segment, brought to you by Twenty Minutes to Fitness. Twenty Minutes to Fitness once a week. It works for me. Well, Pearl, this, the players, um, I see it in my mind as the fifth major. It'll never probably be added as a major, but best field of the year. Kind of messes up everything else if they try to add it as a major. I, I mean, the, the, history, whole, the whole they, slam it, thing, it, the it this, because then all the guys else. that they can't compare you to then. Yeah. I don't know, but I mean, they change things in other sports and other rules and stuff, but I don't know. I, I think golf with its tradition... I like just keeping it a, a, a close, a close uh, fifth, if, yeah, if you will. Right. right. I, I, I agree with you. I think that's the only way to do it. And I think, um, you know, but where, where do we start on this? Jay, talk about some of the beginnings of this. I mean, yeah. did they, they didn't even play this golf course, did they, when they first went down there? No, they, the Players' Championship was created because Jack and Arnold thought that the players should have their own championship. Is that who came up with it? Yeah. I mean, that's it's, just it's classic. That's, that's clearly cooler than hell, right? And um, they used to play it right across the street at Jacksonville Country Club. Brutal golf course in its own right. And then Pete Dye came along. The tour bought <laughs> this swamp land. Yeah. I don't know if you've been to Ponte Vedra. Swamp oh, yeah. land? Yeah. Wow. This place. I mean, uh, we're talking 1982 was the first year we played over there. At the TPC uh, Sawgrass. But so, Pearl, back in the 80s, they bought this land for nothing. And, oh, man, is it something now. It is way more than. And, and um, so Pete Dye, kind of his signature golf course he came out with. And I can remember in 82, a couple features that were immediately changed because you really don't know how a golf course is going to play until you get a tournament held on it, see how the best players of the world are going to handle. So even when you have world-class architects, and I'm glad you brought that up because there's tons of examples. We could do a whole show on this. But world-class, they know what they're doing. They go out there, they put this together, and then really for the next two years, four years, five years, they're blowing holes up and redoing things. You know, I think when you see – Locally, I know some of your golf courses, Norwood has, has done some things and talked about other things. And going and making these changes, it's tough to make these changes and get it right, even if you're the best of the best. I totally agree. So the eighth green, it's par three that can play about a, uh, 230 yards. It can play about as, that's about as long as it can play. In the beginning, Pearl, there was a mound. There was a 50-foot mound. In front of the green, just right in front of the green. So the entirety of the green was blind. But the, I don't know what the players love that. Oh, everybody loved that. Yeah. I don't know why they got rid of that. And then the other change, the, the most dramatic change. I mean, they changed the 18th green a lot because it was way too severe. That that dip in the in the middle left would balls would just get on the green, and roll right into the water. The 16th green, Pearl, the front left edge. So that's the hole. Was it last year or two years ago, Brooks Kepka made an albatross there. He made a two on the par five. The front left portion of that green pearl was probably 10 to 12 feet higher than the rest wow, of the green. Wow, really? So you'd hit this long iron in there with all of our lousy equipment, and that ball, would it, would, it was like hitting a trampoline, and balls would just rocket into the water. So guys stopped going for it in two and started trying to figure out a way to keep, you know, make pars there. So... There were a lot of changes. I also remember it being so long. 
Oh, correct. You know, they had the wind and stuff, but I just remember some of the early years, it just seemed to play for forever. Have they changed the length, or is it the, the players and the equipment that have made that thing they that did. Change? They did change the length, and the golf course still was a bear. But now, enter the modern era, and it's just turned everything on its head. But back in 1982, you'll recall Jerry Pate won that event. I think he putted with a, played with a yellow ball. He jumped into the lake on 18, threw the commissioner in the lake, you know, threw anything he could into the lake. And that was kind of um, that. Was kind of that. But um, the biggest thing, Pearl, and I played when the, when the players used to be in March. The players moved from May to March. Monumental difference weather-wise. Now, I don't know if you've been to Jacksonville in, in the uh, – is March considered springtime? I and think we, so down there. We might want to. Yeah. We might yeah. want to think it here, but it's yeah. it's going to be. It can be cold, especially in the mornings. And bigger thing is wind. That golf course will play. And the other thing that you got to remember, Pearl, they're not going to be able to overseed like they like they can when the weather gets warmer. So they're going to go ahead and there's those are three monumental challenges for the players. And um, it's um, oh man, it is it is. It's going to be all kinds of different when um, um, when we get there this year, you know. And and uh, well, this this week, I mean, it's today. You're going to see a today. You're going to see the finish today, and yep. it is going to be, um, oh man, it's it's going to be difficult. So, tell us a little bit about some of your personal experiences being down there. I mean, did you like it? Oh, well, the first – let's talk about the golf course still a little bit more, and we'll talk about some individual holes. The first thing that they came up with, John, was they had stadium seating. What does that mean? They actually built into the ground, into these mounds, seats, you know, just there'd be some um, railroad ties and some flat areas, and railroad ties and flat areas. And so you see these, and so it literally stadiums on the sides of the greens. That was the first? First one yep. ever. And people are like, what? And you're like – Man, you come down to the 18th green, and all of a sudden it's a natural amphitheater sort of thing. I love that. There was a little bit of that around. Riviera had that, obviously, for forever. Things no like seat, no seating, but they did have the hills and have that amphitheater-type right. look that's really so cool. So they built that in. Yes. Yeah, that certainly wasn't natural from a swamp. And what they were—it was the first uh, attempt to try to make um, the events more user-friendly, more spectator-friendly, mm-hmm. you know, and get some— you know, maybe someone had a crystal ball and said, man, this thing is going to be big one day, and we got to get a bunch of folks around here. The other thing that's significant, huge purse. Always one of the top purses on tour. Always. And I think it's the richest purse on tour. Uh, it's always hard to know with Augusta because they never tell you what the purse right. is until like right. a week after or Sunday of or something. But but they wanted to make it special. And so special. Uh, yep. Amphitheater, special designs, yep. extra money, the whole thing to kind of get the guys into it. Yep, absolutely. And um, so that's that was definitely something that um, needed to be uh, uh, dealt with. And the golf course had its changes and things like that, and it was fantastic. One of the things that sticks out in my mind there, John, is the practice facility. It is world-class, like nothing you've ever seen before. It's got a driving range where it was the first driving range to ever use both ends, where they had areas on both ends. It's got a short game area, world class. Nothing you've ever seen. Bunkers, tight areas to pitch and chip on, and um, uh, spectacular. One of the things I did was when I was on my quest to understand the short game, I I remember going, I hung out with Fred Couples back at the short game area, hung out with Corey Pavin, I hung out with Brad Faxon, and just picked all of their brains. And um, picking Fred and Corey's brain was uh, not an afternoon endeavor. These guys are world-class, great short game players and have no idea how they're doing it. Plus, just unique in a lot of ways. I got to play with uh, with Fred one time and obviously Corey a hundred times, and as phenomenal as they were, as they are, uh, I, I'm not sure how you quite copy that. I remember talking to Corey about about that part and how he uses lower body, how he sets up to it. And I'm thinking, man, this is so different than what I was taught, what I'm doing. And you, you can't call it wrong when they are world class. I mean, how many years was Corey arguably the best short game player in the world? So, But that's kind of interesting. I think it tells you there's a lot of ways to do it. Uh, it's in it, but it's tough to 
go with translate. their method. Yeah, yeah. It's tough to translate. I mean, look, they're trying to describe a feel, and they've obviously not done a dissertation on this. They just are proficient at it, mm-hmm. right? And so they're just, you know, here's here's what I think I do. And, and this I is remember, what I believe in, and this is a feel I, I want, and they would go with it. There's obviously some serious power, power to that because those guys both played phenomenal under pressure. They sure did. We'll get back to that. But I want to jump over to Justin Hoagland, our friend at Golf Tech, PGA uh, professional and city manager, um, to continue our series on the basics. We're talking the short game. Absolutely. Let's have Justin talk about the basics. So we've got the acronym GASP, G-A-A-S-P, and um, the S stands for stance. And what we find with players with their stance uh, is that, well, first of all, they're, they're not that uh, recognize, uh, recognizing of what they're actually doing or, or um, uh, aligning with their stance and, and how far their feet are apart and how that affects them. Um, just in, in a nutshell, the stance width does affect how a player rotates or doesn't rotate their body. The narrower the stance, the better they rotate. The wider the stance, the more apt they are to want to sway, and swaying is a, is a pretty big issue with most amateur players. So in general, what we're looking for is a stance that gets wider as the golf club gets longer. Um, just look at it as far as the stance width in between uh, your feet being a little wider than the shoulders in general, two to three inches wider than the shoulders with the, with the driver and the fairway width, and then on down, decrease it about an inch, inch and a half as you get from the uh, middle irons down to the shorter iron. Thanks, Justin. That was Justin Hoagland from Golf Tech. And that's going to do it for the On the Range segment. Don't go anywhere. Pearlie and I are going to go to the front nine. This is golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Doster, Olam, and Boyle LLC are a proud sponsor of Golf with Jay Delsing here on 101 ESPN. The firm was started in January 2015 by Mike Doster, Jess Olam, and John Boyle, three veterans of the St. Louis real estate, banking, commercial, and corporate legal landscape. The firm was founded on the shared view that success should be measured by client and community satisfaction, not profits for partner. The firm's focus is on business, real estate, corporate, finance, and restructuring, and succession planning. Since its founding in 2015, Doster, Olam, and Boyle have been involved in real estate, business, and corporate transactions with a combined value in excess of over $1 billion. For decades, Doster, Olam, and Boyle lawyers have been recognized as leaders in their practice areas by their peers. Doster, Olam, and Boyle, LLC. Extraordinary talent, ordinary people. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. I just wanted to let you know that USA Mortgage has lowered its rates this month. That's right. They've lowered their rates. We are keeping them down as long as we can to take advantage of the great real estate market this spring. Buyers are flooding the market. Values are going up. And USA Mortgage is ready to help you with you and your pre-approval, refi, or cash-out opportunity. We can help you eliminate your mortgage insurance, shorten your term, or pay off debt. Please call Joe Sheezer at 314-628-2015 to apply or get sound financial advice for your mortgage needs. Hurry while the rates are still low. You can apply online at usamortgage.com slash Joe Sheezer. That's S-C-H-I-E-S-Z-E-R. Or call him directly at 314-628-2015. NMLS number 231 Urban Chestnut Brewing Company is proud to be an official sponsor of 101 ESPN's newest show, Golf with our friend Jay Delsing. Just like Jay, Urban Chestnut is born right here in St. Louis. With three local brewing and restaurant locations, you won't travel far to sample straight from the source. If you're heading out to the links this weekend or if you're just in the mood for a classic German-style beer, grab a four-pack of our fresh, refreshing Zwickel Bavarian Lager wherever craft beers are sold. Urban Chestnut Brewing Company, St. Louis, Missouri. Prost! You're listening to Golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. You can find Jay online at jdelsinggolf.com. Welcome back. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. Jay and John are here to bring you the segment we call the Front Nine. Um, Thanks for your questions and your comments. Keep these emails coming. Each week, if we select your email and read it on air, you will win a golfer two at Gateway National Golf Club. Really nice course down just on the east side of town. Compliments of Walters Golf Management. This week's email comes from Carol. 
I met you this past fall at the Julie Inkster event and loved how passionate you were about women playing more golf and feeling comfortable enough to take the leap and jump in as a beginner. What is the most important thing for someone, especially a woman, who is just beginning? Hey, Carol, thank you for hanging out with uh, Julie and I, and uh, and thanks for the question. I do remember you're relatively new to the game. And, um, yeah, you know, what I see, huge supporter of female sports and, you know, dad of four daughters, love the girls, love um, – I just I've, – I've told you this I don't know how many times. We've got to get more – more women playing the game. We just have to. And one of the things that I, there's this intimidation factor, I think, of the old boys network, whatever that is, that is, seems to me from the people that I've talked to, to be the biggest hurdle. And the funny thing is, the men don't play any better than the gals do. They don't. They're just less conscious about how they play, I guess, is the way to put it. <laughs> They're just point. like, they don't, I don't get, you know, I'm going to wing this ball over here. And, and for some reason, the the women are, are just a little, you know, more timid and like they want to put that out there. But I trust me, the biggest thing is to get over the thought that you're not going to be good enough. That, that, that should not be the reason, Carol, that you're not starting the game. And I know that's not the case for you, but hopefully this hits some listener and, and um, rings true to them. Get yourself a decent set of starter clubs, and you don't even need to get a full set. You really don't. Good point. Get a, you can get a driver and some sort of utility wood. You can get a three, five, seven, nine iron and some sort of wedge and a putter and a secondhand bag, so you don't have to invest a lot in there. And then once you are fully committed, because somehow this game has this way of mm-hmm. jumping on you and and um, not letting go. Then you can make the investment into some better clubs, and you'll know the difference. You really will be able to tell the difference. But the biggest hurdle is mental, I believe. And for the women out there, just know that the men don't play nearly as well as you think they do. I promise you they don't. And um, I think they're comfortable with the game, and I think that might be part of her question here too. So, you know, part of it is – Go out early in the morning. Go out in the evening where there might not be a bunch of other people. Go pl- ask somebody to play with you that does understand the game, the pace of the game, and things like that. At the end of the day, if there's one thing that people don't want to play with, uh, people that don't know how to kind of play fast and kind of move along, don't be afraid in some cases. Pick up your ball. Move to the next hole. Keep the pace of play up. I think anybody would want to play with you at that point because that, to me, is the number one detractor is if somebody's out there and they can't find the ball and they're just holding everything up. When you hit on the nail where my next point was going to be is find someone that can help you with, understand the flow of the game. Whose turn is it? How does all that work? Because there is an etiquette involved in there. Now, the rules of the game, don't be too freaked out about it because most of the men break all the rules anyway. We've got a whole new slew of rules that everybody's breaking, even tour players aren't comfortable with. And we've got to figure that that'll come. But like to your point, Pearl, the way the game rolls, yes. whose turn it is, that, is that, that could give you a tremendous... Not stepping in line, com- how to mark your ball, just all those little subtleties that I promise you, anybody that truly understands this game would love to help you with that. And if they don't, then they don't really understand the, the, the spirit and the nature of the game. The other thing, Carol, to understand, this is not going to take you six months to learn. It's going to take you two times out at the golf course max and you're going to understand it and then you're going to be with some like-minded people that are going to help you with the flow and and look we're, we're also changing some of these etiquette things where you don't necessarily play out of, there's no way to play out of turn anymore because they're wanting to play what's called ready golf to just speed up the round anyway so it's a great question the other thing is jump in jump in don't be afraid to jump in it's never a bad idea especially the very first time out to get a lesson try to help you get your hands on the club correctly and just kind of help you get the ball positioned correctly and things like that. It's not a bad idea. And not everybody has to always play 18 holes either. So part of it, too, is just go out there and be comfortable with that. Play nine holes a couple times in the evening with somebody that has played for a while. And, boy, you can really find a ton of enjoyment. That's one of my favorite times to play anyway. So it's so funny to me how few people play and how wide open the golf course often is. Oh, me too. You know what? Grab a cocktail. Yeah. 
Grab a cocktail. Grab your your husband, your boyfriend, your son. Do do whatever and go play three holes. Who cares? Hit a couple of balls if there's no one behind you. And how do you decide if you grab your husband or your boyfriend? How does that go? I guess whoever's in town. I to, <laughs> no, but you know, find someone that's yeah. gonna make this experience kind of fun and um, and go have some fun, man. This is gonna be fun. You remember, it's it, you may not play as well as you'd like right away, but you're at a beautiful place. You're outside. And there's a lot to enjoy about that. Well, Pearl, let's get back to this TPC. I'm really excited about this. Um, one of the things that sticks out in my mind was the corporate and the community involvement in that event. They do a f- phenomenal job there. What's different? I mean, just just and they were one of the first ones to do it big time, or they separate themselves currently? So think about this. When they were building the golf courses, this golf course, that was done with that in mind. So they were one of the first people to have a, a television compound area. This is where we're going to put the trucks. Because as, wow, you, as, you yeah. as you see the great game growing, you're like, well, wait a minute. Where do we put the – because you go out to Riviera, and it's so tight. And the golf course is not meant to have, you know, millions and millions of dollars worth of video equipment out there. And the TPC was designed that way with places hidden. So the trucks are over here. The compound is over there. We've got – um, concession stands built into the terrain. Just it, it was really well thought of and and really ahead of its time. Great point. I mean, you, you hear about all the things like the Masters down in Augusta, what they do, and all the land they're trying to buy around them to kind of accommodate parking, the whole thing. So you're saying this was all staged, and so there's just a flow across the board, which is why people want to come out. And it's you're not getting bust across town and some of the other tougher things that uh, still are worth going to a golf tournament for. But why not make it easier? One of the other things, don't forget, this thing is a dynamo when it comes to making money for charity. It produces, oh, man, it throws off millions and millions of dollars for the local charities. Why so much more? Just because of the nature of the beast, the fifth major, that type of thing? It's also our our headquarters have been in Jacksonville. It's kind of been the center of the PGA Tour since the PGA Tour and the PGA of America split. And... Um, it's a hell of a venue. It's a great venue. Yeah. And Jacksonville's been a really, really growing city, and uh, you don't hear that much about it, but it, it's really doing some cool things. Uh, that area out there in Ponte Vedra Beach, it is spectacular, beautiful area out there. So they did so much right with the foresight that they put in there. They bought the land at the right time. They created this. It was kind of like if if you build it, they will come sort of thing, and they um, they did that. If never had a chance to go play there, you've got to get there. I haven't. S- I have not played there, and I haven't caddied there, so I've missed out so far. The 17th hole is on your mind. It's one of the few holes that's on your mind the entire day. That's the amazing. Day. That's amazing. It's a wedge or nine iron or something in that ballpark for you guys, and it's in your mind the whole time. More so than, what is it, 17 at uh, PGA West? More so than than that island. Uh, yeah, island because game. you got to remember, this is one of those venues now. This is the home of the players. It never changes. You only go to and okay. play the stadium course uh, out in Palm Springs maybe once every four years. You're uh, you're you've got this thing down, and you are looking at it. I got to tell you a quick story. So the guys have seen crashes and burns. They're thinking they got to be able to hit the green, but they know in the back of their head it could it could get bad. It could get ugly. There's no, there's no question. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's just one of those things where, if that first ball doesn't catch land, now you've got your head just, you, the wheels are churning in there. And it's almost like hitting it out of bounds, right? Yeah, no, it, it basically is. There's a drop area, but that takes you around to the left. It changes the whole perspective of that green. And you drop the ball on the ground, and there's a whole bunch of pieces to that. So. Almost just from a emotional standpoint, a pressure standpoint, yeah. But it might be just put white stakes around the, around the green and go play that. It's that's probably about the way the player interprets that. Right. There's there's been um, heavy drama. We saw Ricky Fowler just dominate that whole years ago. I think he made he birdied it two or three playoff holes in a row against Kevin Kisner. And coming down to stretch and regulation, I think Ricky went birdie, birdie to get into the playoff. And that. Well, that that put him in a whole no, another level back in the day. I mean, when I'm saying this, that, that hole made people and it broke people. 
you know, he was kind of, quote, the overrated guy. He hadn't won or he hadn't won the big stuff or whatever the case is. You know, what's going to happen? Well, he pulled it off that day in a big, big way. I got a question for you now. This is a, this is unusual, and I've always wondered this. This golf course produces some odd winners, too, John. Odd winners. Craig Perks, Stephen Ames. Not your – Why? One of the things I've thought about, I mean, it's there's a quirkiness to this golf course, a non, in a non-traditional sense. There's well, but maybe that's why, because you know we talk about this, the comfort level of the of the tour player. I think when you take some of that week in week out comfort, it can mess guys up a lot. And I think you take that out, and then you add in a little bit of wind, and the that quirkiness. And I think that's a great observation. I hadn't thought about that before, but I, I'll place my bet that that's kind of where that comes from. Fred Funk won this golf tournament at 50 years of age. What? That just doesn't happen on the regular tour. That there's there's the the part that gets me. Pete Dye had this thing called VD that he talked about visual distortion, and that when I first went there, I was so intimidated. We'll talk about this later in the show, but so intimidated because I was. My caddy said, "Well, yeah, don't worry about that lake over there. There's more wa- there's more land." I'm like, "Uh, what? It doesn't look like there's any place for you to hit your ball." And okay, back to why why do we get the the uh, odd winner there uh, on occasion? So is that also new to the tour? I mean, there'd be a hole here and there out on tour, but you're saying that's kind of all day long out there. Yeah, I mean, once you learn how to play the golf course, it it, it is a, an entirely different experience. But your first few times around there, it's not easy. And that's where uh, a place where I don't foresee a whole lot of first-time winners unless there's some, you know, it's a Florida kid that's hung out there and played there a bunch because the learning curve is, at least it was for me, and I'm, you know, there's nothing upstairs here my chair but what happens is the learning curve is, is it was not easy because of the slopes of the greens and everything so you'd see this flag stick and you're going how am i going to get my ball over here and i'd be shooting straight at the flag stick and everybody else is playing over here yeah and letting yeah. the slope work it in and it's much safer play and what you know i i so i learned i saw it after playing it the first year but you still got to execute I mean, everybody's got a pretty dang good, daggone good idea where they want to go with a ball, but you still got to execute. Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, that's the name of the and game. And it doesn't really quit out there. No, it doesn't. It's kind of on you the whole time. No, it's it's like the first time you know you play there. You're like I can make a double bogey on any single hole, and I think I probably did. Yeah. Well, that's going to wrap up this um, front nine segment. This is golf with Jay Delsing. Don't go anywhere. We're going to head to the back nine uh, on 101 ESPN. Are you looking for a golf training facility and PGA pros to help you out year-round? Make sure you get to Golf Tech. They've been in St. Louis since 2007 and have three convenient locations to serve you. They've got state-of-the-art video equipment, and you can take your lesson home with you and replay it as much as you'd like. Start with a golf swing evaluation for only $125 and let a Golf Tech coach customize a game plan for you. 314-721-GOLF. You can find them online as well, golftech.com-st. Louis. Play better. Swing better. Golf Tech. I got a big shout out and a thank you to Whitmore Country Club for supporting my golf show. I don't know if you know, Whitmore Country Club has 72 holes of golf. There's a 24-hour fitness center and has a extremely large pool complex. This is a family-friendly country club to belong to. There's a kids club in the main clubhouse right near the fitness center. There are golf leagues, skinned game Members, tournaments, couples, events are available all year long. If you join at Whitmore, you also get access to the Missouri Bluffs, the Links of Dardeen, and the Golf Club of Wentzville. And the cart fees are already included in that membership. There are no food or beverage minimums, no assessments. Go out and see my friend Bummer out in the clubhouse. He is an absolute jewel and a wonderful guy that will tell you all you need to know. Or you can call Whitmore at 636-926-9622. After 25 years on the PGA Tour, Jay Delsing takes you behind the scenes from the eyes of a pro. Now back to more golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. 
That's the Brothers Osborne. This is Jay Delsing. Um, my buddy John Perlis is here. This is Golf with Jay Delsing, and we are headed to the back nine. Well, this is our TPC, the Players' Championship preview, and uh, I got some stories. Love it. Tell a couple Love of stories. your stories. A couple of stories. We had a, I was playing with Greg Norman, Steve Pate, Human Volcano. I think he broke two clubs this practice round. Brad Faxon <laughs> and I. And we had a $100 no bogey event. And we had a little $25 game going. Threw up balls. I got fax. Pater, Norman against fax and I. I go to the second hole. My drive hits tree. Lose my ball. I'm out of the no bogey after two holes. I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> I got to root for all my buddies to make a bogey. Anyway, no one won the 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 no bogey. That's a hard golf course to go around. Anybody get past no the front nine? Uh, Fax did, I think, okay. and he was holing everything, as he does. <laughs> and I think he bogey number 12, which is one of the easier holes out there. So that that's the TPC for you. But what I remember about that was there was a Hall of Famer in that group, Greg Norman, who skipped out on us after 11 holes. How come? I think his back was tight. But what I remember most about that, Pearl, is that Fax and I were three units up. I did not like You're not going to let that go, are you? How long, how long ago was this? A couple, couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. How, how, how many years ago? About? 25. Okay, yeah. Barely remember it. I wouldn't let it go. I'd but hang we, on to that for a little longer. You know, we talked about all these all multi-millionaires going out to the golf course and not having any money. Maybe Greg didn't have any dough. I don't think so. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, we got in and we were kind of like, well, who's paying for Greg? And, you know, Peter said, not me. Oh, yeah. No, no. That's not, that's not coming from there. Peter will play, pay for himself, but he ain't paying for somebody no, else. No, if he's not going to play for anybody else. So, um, yeah, that was um, hmm, kind of an interesting uh, way to uh, jump in there. So, Rookie year on tour, I have a great tournament in Hawaii, finished ninth, make $13,000, my, my second tournament. It gets me off the money list into the TPC. So I'm like, holy cow, this is very cool. Because the week before, I played at Bay Hill. Mm-hmm. Talked about a little bit about that on a prior show. Played with Johnny Miller and Hale Irwin, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, whoa, this tour has got some characters. Go to, go to TPC, and I don't know how to describe in – Good enough words to say I was overmatched by a golf course. I was overmatched by a golf course. First of all, I couldn't hit a fairway with my driver. You know that. I was long, but I was wrong. As they say, long and wrong. I couldn't hit and And um, not really wise enough to back off like I should have. And I, I think I posted either a pair of 77s, pair of hockey sticks, or a pair of 79s. Either. Either way. Not worth a hoot. Mm-hmm. And the winner of the championship that week was one of the best players on tour, Calvin Pete. He had trouble, too. Minus 19. Also one of the shorter players on the tour. And at the time, that's playing a pretty darn long golf course. 1985, Calvin Pete, 19 under. And I'm thinking to myself, how am I going to do this? Wrong occupation, maybe. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, maybe I should get another job. Maybe I could call you. You could put me to work for your company. Did you have a company at that time yet in 85? Not one you could have come to work for. <laughs> but I can remember a little bit about, uh, first of all, how great Calvin P. was playing. But if I remember right, he was hauling off a lot of woods into greens. And you talking about playing the slopes and all that kind of stuff. He was absolutely fearless. I played numerous rounds of golf with him. Uh, was he a good guy? Interesting. He was almost kind of a moody person. You know, I played with him out at the Hope one time, and he stepped in my line on the front nine. And I I said, hey, Calvin, this is when we're wearing spikes. Hey, Calvin. He's like, oh, man, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were there. We get on the we get to, like, the 13th hole and almost got the size nine again, and he's putting his foot down, and I went and just grabbed him by the side of it. And I said, ah, hey, hey. He's like, what? I'm like, I'm over here. We talked about you know, again, when you're new on the tour, you got to stand up for yourself. You got to, you know, got to scream and shout, got to do whatever you can because, you know, walking in someone's line, oh, man, brutal. I, I, um, I didn't like that. Well, he was a heck of a player. Yeah. And uh, I, I specifically remember watching that event and uh, he tore it up. 
Oh, he did tear it up. And he, um, as you re- as, as I recall, he got a lesson from Jack Nicholas about he used to get really close to these tournaments, bro, and not be able to to close the door, not be able to figure out how to win. And Jack Nicholas was, I remember reading something that he told Calvin, he said, when you get on the greens, you have to be much more aggressive when you're nervous because you'll hit your drives further, folks, when you have all this adrenaline, but you hit your putts shorter. And I, I have found that to be 100% true. And I'm not sure why that is, but you can smash your drives further and you can hit your seven iron, you know, an extra five or ten yards further when you get all this adrenaline. You get up to your putts and they don't go anywhere. Tough to swing that butterhead when you're when you're hanging on too tight. Yeah, it really is. And um, so what I noticed, and um, we talked about this earlier, but the more you played at TPC, the more that golf course got doable. And the more I learned the lines to take, the sight lines to take, here's where I'm not play, I'm not messing with that over there. That is a – I'd rather miss the green to the right than, than pull a shot of half a step left and have it go over there because I can't get that up and down. And it and um, I, I really, really became fond of the golf course, loved the event, the, the, the whole nature of the event, all the money it raised for charity, the spectators. It was the, the coolest event, and I um, – I finished ninth one year, the year that Steve Elkington won. I'm not sure if that was 93, 95, but I do remember this. Had I played the 13th hole at plus two for the week, I believe I would have won the championship. I played it at (laughs) plus six. I started off with a triple bogey, made a double bogey, made a bogey, and the last day I came in with a par, and I felt like I just conquered Everest. Three or four more rounds, you were you were there. We just didn't play enough golf. That's that wasn't your fault completely. I know I ran out of golf. <laughs> that should have been 108 holes or something. But, that's um, tough. That's tough. Is it, is it a hole that you were uncomfortable with in practice round, or was it a surprise? No, it wasn't. the the The, the issue is what the guys are playing now are eight to nine irons off that tee. And we were playing fours and five irons. And you know, look, I one 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 shot was to a front pin. I hit my four or five iron just a little thin. It just didn't stay in the air. We were playing in March at the time. It just you know, and once you start dropping around there in the drop zones, it's no picnic. At least it wasn't for me. So um, um, I can remember playing that whole five over par the first two days, and I was still in the championship. I played my butt off. Other than that hole, and but that's the kind of golf course it is. It lends itself to some weird stories and some some weird numbers. You mm-hmm. know, you can hit a bad shot at the wrong time and go, oh boy, I may never get off this hole because there's there might be no OB. You got to either find your ball or three T. Well, like you said, you have so many opportunities out there to make a bigger number, and so many of the quote water hazards, hazards, whatever they call them now. Uh, play much more like OB than they do kind of the traditional water hazards. The year I was coming in where I had a good chance to win the tournament, or my best chance to win, maybe not a good chance, but a best chance to win, I remember birdie in 16, and I was kind of playing down one from the right, but it was difficult to hit the fairway, just hard birdies. I made a birdie. I go over to 17. So what they did in the day, Pearl, is they would take your tee, instead of having it where it is now, where it faces dead on to the green, the fourth day, they would rotate it over to the left about 30 degrees. And now all of a sudden, you couldn't see that little pot bunker. Mm-hmm. You couldn't see. And that day, the wind was blowing straight in our face off the right, a little off the right, straight in our face. And I remember going, man, this thing is either a, a really solid nine or a little eight. And I got this wind, and I'm thinking, I don't know what to do. My caddy wasn't where the hoot at the time to help me it with stuff me. like that. It wasn't me. It wasn't not you. No. It wasn't his <laughs> fault because this was one hard shot. And I can remember, man, why does this green look so small? Mm. All of a sudden, this green looks so small. So I decide to hit the eight. I'm going to take a little eight. And I'm going to just try to hit. The, and the flagstick's in the back right. I'm going to just try to hit a, take a little off of it, get it out there left of the flagstick, hopefully get it done. Well, I, I make this swing, and I hit it a groove or two thin. With the eight. With the eight. Thank goodness. And I'm thinking, ooh, oh, oh, oh. And it's going just a little left of the flex. And I'm thinking, this thing could fly to the flag and bounce over the green. It could plug in that the, the side of that hill there. Could not care. I'm, th- I'm not thinking anything like what happened. So I'm thinking, I'm watching this thing, and it's all happening so fast, I can't. And this is the tournament. You're, you're, you're going to make a nice, nice check. You're right 70, in the hunt 70. relative to a nice check. And this thing goes in the water, and all of a sudden you're looking at it. Right. Less check. <laughs> a lot less, less check. check. A lot of less check. And so 
I'm going, oh, man. I don't even say anything. And it lands. I see it land on the green. I'm thinking, well, that's it got over the water that way. Now is it got to go in the backwater. And all of a sudden, there's some some applause or some applause. Now there's a round of serious applause. So, so I'm, you know, not giving this thing away. Put my club back to my caddy. I kind of tip my <laughs> cap like it that way. that's the kind of way I plan. And now I'm walking up there. You know, it's quite a walk. Mm-hmm. You walk around to your left, and I'm thinking, please be in there close. <laughs> you know, please be in there. I get up there, Pearl. It was so close, you couldn't miss it. It What's was that supposed to mean? I don't know. I just thought that might sound good. It I was down no, like three or four inches from the wow, hole. It was that's one awesome. Of, and I went. That's awesome. Oh, man. The golf gods were just smiling on me. And I'm thinking, please smile one more hole because I got to get. So I tap in and make birdie on um, on. But kind of For a second, though, kind of kudos on hitting the eight. That's one reason you hit the eight. That's one it, reason you play that. It had... It had more opportunity to be a good shot uh, if it's not perfectly struck. You said if you don't really strike that nine, it's not going to get there. So you're kind of an all or nothing there. And in our next segment, we are going to talk on our tip this week. We are going to talk about course management, and that's one of the things I'm going to talk about. That's why I told this story here at this time. Because take more club. There's a way better chance of good things happening if things don't go exactly the way you plan them. And I finished up that round. I remember smashing a three-wood off of 18 because I knew I couldn't hit my driver in the fairway and had a three iron into 18. So you played 18 into the wind then? Straight into the Oof. 17 was into the wind, 18 Oof. was into the wind, driver, or three wood, three iron, put it on the far right edge of that green, two putted her down there, tiptoed out of town with a nice big fat check. And uh, oh man, that, 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 that stretch, 17 and 18 were nerve wracking. Well, especially into the wind. You know, one thing I think you talked to Ricky Fowler uh, fairly soon after he had won that event, and one thing he mentioned was, "Hey, 18 was was downwind uh, for him." And he, you know, I think he said down or a little bit cross, and it made it easier kind of set up. But you're looking at one of the toughest holes on the tour, and then that puppy's into you. That's tough. That's real tough. Really tough. And um, yeah, it was. Um, you know, that 18th hole there is so visually intimidating. You know, you got that water runs right off the left edge of that tee and comes continues all the way down, and it just kind of teases you because there's a little bit of room out to the right. But if you miss to the right, you're dead. Mm-hmm. We've seen a lot of players miss to the right, and there's not a lot of pars over there. As well as TV does in so many instances, I think that's one of the holes where unless you're there, you can't totally appreciate it. You know, Pebble, yes, it's even fantastic on TV, but it's even more fantastic if you're standing there. I think there's a lot of those holes reasons you want to try to get out to these uh, golf courses at some time in your life. That's um, an, it's an interesting call because the 18th at, at uh, Pebbles does almost feels the same way as the 18th at TPC, you know, because it's it's much prettier at Pebble. And Pebble's my favorite golf course in the world. But it's just that you know that if, if this thing starts left, you know, you, typically you got some sea breeze, but it, if that thing starts left and doesn't move, you know, you get to try this again. But either either of those holes, when the when the, you're into the wind, you're in a position where you, you, you got to do something off the tee. You can't just sit there and, and hit some weak sister out there, or you can't get anywhere near the green. And if you weak it, there's trouble out to the right in in both of those holes. You know, eventually, if you weaken it in the wind enough. Right. It's uh, oh man, those uh, they knew that's what where they, it should be. That's where it should be. No, they knew that. You know, and, and a marginal shot's got to get get penalized, and if you don't take uh, a kind of strong, aggressive line. You're going to have a worse angle, and you know you've got to ramp it up somewhere and hit hit a quality shot. Another three holes stretch that can have a four or five uh, shot swing coming down a tournament, which is one of the many reasons it's so wonderful to watch. Yeah, I think it is. Well, that's going to do it for the back nine. We're headed to the 19th hole after these messages. Stay here. This is golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Jerseyville Carpet and Furniture Gallery are a proud sponsor of Golf with Jay Delsing. They've been around since 1973, and it's been family-owned and operated the entire way. Father Danny Capps started it all. Now sons Matt and Jared are fully involved. And at Jerseyville Carpet and Furniture Gallery, they host the area's largest selection of Lazy Boy and Flex Steel Furniture. Plus, you'll find a full-service Mohawk Color Center featuring carpet, hardwood, laminate, and waterproof flooring. Everything is professionally installed at Jerseyville Carpet and Furniture Gallery, plus easy to 
delivery and setup of new furniture however and wherever you want it. They'll also haul away all of your old furniture can't beat that deal. Going the extra mile, that's what Jerseyville Carpet and Furniture Gallery is all about. Find them online, jerseyvillecarpetfurniture.net, or call them 618-639-9858. Most people think to get fit, you've got to be in the gym five days a week. Well, I used to think that too, but that was before I discovered 20 Minutes to Fitness. 20 Minutes to Fitness makes it possible to achieve in one 20-minute session a week what might require three hours or more a week at the gym. It reduces the time it takes to exercise by up to 90%. Their trainers can get you in shape no matter what your age or fitness level. They do it using special equipment and safe, medically-based approach. And all it takes is 20 minutes once a week. Honestly, 20 minutes once a week. Sound too good to be true? Your first session is free, so try it and see for yourself. They've got locations in Clayton and Chesterfield. To learn more, visit 20minutestofitness.com. 20 minutes to fitness. It's just 20 minutes just once a week, and it works for me. I just wanted to let you know that USA Mortgage has lowered its rates this month. That's right. They've lowered their rates. We are keeping them down as long as we can to take advantage of the great real estate market this spring. Buyers are flooding the market. Values are going up. And USA Mortgage is ready to help you with you and your pre-approval, refi, or cash-out opportunity. We can help you eliminate your mortgage insurance, shorten your term, or pay off debt. Please call Joe Schieser at 314-628-2015 to apply or get sound financial advice for your mortgage needs. Hurry while the rates are still low. You can apply online at usamortgage.com slash Joe Schieser. That's S. C-H-I-E-S-Z-E-R, or call him directly at 314-628-2015. NMLS number 231118. You're listening to Golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. You can get involved in the show by emailing your questions and comments to jay at jdelsinggolf.com. Well, thanks for staying with us. We just finished 18 holes, and we're headed to... Great part of the day, the 19th hole. This is golf with Jay Delsing. This is Jay here with my buddy John, and we're going straight into the tip of the week. Now, we've been previewing the TPC, and you will see some guys that know how to manage their game play well this week. You have to. You have to run this golf course. The biggest thing that we've got to do to help folks manage their game is to get them to understand their game. Not everyone's built the same way when it comes to golf. Some guys are exceptionally long off the tee. Some guys are wild off the tee. Some people are great with the short game. Whatever the case might be, you got to take a deeper dive into your own personal game and understand where you're losing your shots. Some of them are obvious. One of the biggest things, let's just say this the way it is, you don't want one swing to cost you more than one stroke. You don't want to wing that driver into the, uh, out of bounds or off the golf course into the water and make that one swing cost you multiple strokes. You got, you've got to get a hold of that. Okay. And if that means taking different clubs off of different tees and different aim points on par threes that have water on them, then so be it. But do it. But do it. That's part of managing it. You'd, it almost feels sometimes, Pearl, not male or not macho or whatever that might be because I'm not going to try to take this thing on. But in the end of the day, what we're looking for is a lower score, not macho points. Well, in the, in the day and age of want to hit it further, 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 uh, that makes it tough. I remember, I think you played the better part of a year uh, without a driver. I think Johnny Miller is kind of famous for uh, playing without a driver. You know, we, you got to get it in play off the tee. You know, we all want to pound it down the middle, but to your point, one uh, one swing, one stroke, uh, get that thing in play. At the end of the day, if it's in play at 205 yards instead of 255 yards, not in play, out of bounds, behind a tree, in the water, you're way, way, way better off. You still have a very much of a chance of uh, making a par with that other one that's in play. That's, yeah. that's a huge piece of it. 100%. We had uh, a while back, quite a while back, but we had at the time world number one, Brooks Kepka. Talk about his tea, his keys for 
slowing that negative momentum down during a round. And the first thing that he talked about was getting something to put him in the fairway. Get, you know, eliminate that wild shot that dropped, you know, that, that unplayable lie. So the other thing we got to get rid of, and we talked a, um, a couple shows back about three-putting. We've got to get rid of three-putting. But on, the, on that single shot, think in terms of even football. How many times is that quarterback at the beginning of the game or if somebody gets hurt, they put a new quarterback in and they want him to have something easy to get get his game going, maybe just a little quick out pass in the flat or maybe just even some kind of a pitch, something like that to get that thing going. Think in terms of your round getting it going, but even think in terms of every hole getting it going and being in the game. Don't shoot yourself in the foot on the first one. You're not going to make birdie with the driver. It's not going to happen. You can set yourself up. I get that. But that's also a place where you can put yourself out of the hole and out of the day. Yeah, they're well said. Nothing else needs to be said about that. Just, you know, this is a, a positional game. It'd be great if we told you, yeah, this you make birdie because you hit driver wedge. And you get two birdies or three birdies for that. You don't. You won. It's yeah. a three. Yeah. And if you hit a an iron off the tee and a seven iron in and you make it's a tie. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a three is a three. And so. Um, it's crucial to figure out if, if it's putting, then we gave you some putting tips. If it's pitching, chipping, bunker, whatever it is, we've got to figure it out. Let the me, other let, thing, on, let me just say this real quickly, though. We're talking about what our, what's wrong with the game. We also need to figure out what's right with our game. Where do your strengths lie? Because we're going to give you some tips on how to um, minimize the, the weaknesses and get them better. But we don't want to discard and forget about our strengths. They've got to be maintained as well. We don't want to just go, I'm a great driver of the ball and not hit any drivers. Or I'm a great putter and not go to the putting green. you still got to pay attention to that stuff. <laughs> Part of paying attention is keeping a little bit of track. I think it's pretty easy. You're out there for four or five hours, unfortunately, sometimes. And you get done and you start wanting to complain about your driver or this or that. I remember you caddy for me in the U.S. Amateur one time. Yep. I was so whacked out of my head before we even teed off on how I was getting to get the ball off the tee. My yep. driver was a nightmare. I had lost all my confidence. You gave me a couple-minute lesson. I'll never forget this. I drove it. I'm not saying fantastic all day, but plenty good to qualify. Way good Plenty enough. good. We get done. I didn't even come close to qualifying. We get done, and you say something to me like, you missed 24 greens from the fairway inside of 150 yards. Now, I had no sense of that whatsoever. So part of what I might suggest and throw out there is keep a little bit of track. When you get done and you're at the 19th hole, you're having your beer, you're having your Coke, whatever it might be, jot down how many drives did I have in play, how many putts did I have, how many chips did I have, Get to that true awareness, not just what you felt, not about that one that you wish you would have hit better, but really start keeping a little bit of track so you can kind of identify what you're good at and what you're not so good at. No question. And here's something interesting, folks, that's going to happen to you. You and I referred to this when we were talking about our own rounds, is there's a rhythm to your round of golf. Okay? And one of the most powerful things in sport is momentum. In life. Your company's name for that. Yep. And what's cool about that and what I have such a great appreciation now of momentum and when when that's on my side it's like Katie bar the door I want to keep that I want to cherish that because I can do incredible things when I have that sort of momentum and when I was younger I ran my car off the track because I had momentum and I thought that meant give me this give me that I'm going to be aggressive I'm going to oh just idiotic but what is going to happen is you start identifying these areas like, I'm not hitting any greens with my, you know, seven iron on down. And all of a sudden, you start taking a, l- a little more conservative line. You, you start simplifying your swing and say, I just want to hit this ball solidly. And all of a sudden, you start noticing, oh, my gosh, I've made four holes. I'm, I made four pars because I just hit the green and two putted. Here we go. And there's a rhythm to that. There's a momentum. There's an, almost an excitement that happens to you that is part of this, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I can remember when you were playing real well, but you were struggling around the greens a little bit. And when we just kind of got to some of the more basics of it, you're playing obviously tough golf courses, tough, rough conditions, that type of thing. But we just said at one point, hey, let's just square it up. Let's get back to the simple part. And if you're in a position where 
a squared up body position, a squared up blade, not trying to do anything fancy. If that doesn't work, then we're just going to accept a 15 or 18 foot or whatever it may be because we're going to avoid that floppy thing that ends up in the bunker or the wrong place or gets you know kind of kicked over the green type of a deal. But it took relative rhythm around. I think it really kind of helped you ease your mind. We knew what the plan was. You weren't going to go out there stressed. What are you laughing about? I got to tell this story. It's the best story. <laughs> I was on a roll, but I got to You are on a roll. You're on a great roll. And you're going to like this even better because this is me under the bus. Do you remember caddying for me out in Vegas? You got to remember this. We're caddying for me out in Vegas. Oh, we're playing with Andrew you know, McGee. Tom, Dick, and Harry. No, not this one. Where, where at the very first hole, I we we've identified my short game sucks. We have not oh, identified. Oh God! I, how remember, to fix I know where you're going. Okay, so so guys, we're get, we get on this par five, and I I should hit the green in two, but I kind of wing one left a little bit, and I'm, I've got the most basic, straightforward. I've got to fly this ball twenty five yards. Nothing even demanding about it. I've got ten yards to land it in, and I've got another twenty yards to let it roll out to. I take this wing dingy swing at this thing. Undercut this ball, adding loft to the bottom. The ball goes about halfway. a third, a halfway the distance it should. It buries under the lip, and I think I make double bogey on a reachable par five. And I can remember, I, I can remember talking about the air going out of the room, talking about no, mo- oh, no more no, momentum uh, and no no, rhythm, no no rhythm to the run. But I can remember. <laughs> Putting the gloves in the car afterwards, and both of us hitting the. I mean, I think I, I resurrected maybe an even par round on an easy course, and I just gave away so many shots to. But I can remember looking at you, and, and I said, "Man, I couldn't possibly hit my ball. I couldn't hit a worse shot and put it in a worse spot." And you were just you broke out into this hysterical laughter, and you were like. Of all the places I thought you might have hit the ball, there's no way you could have buried it under the lip and made double bogey there. Oh, man. That well, was but, brutal. But, but part of knowing that part of the game, unfortunately, at that stage, it could anything could happen. And, and you, it you, did. you could hit it, it a foot. Yeah. But you, it, that yeah. also happened where you sit there and go, like, give me a bucket. I don't think I could do that again if right. I tried. My dad would call my, sh- my short game son, it's like uh, penthouse or outhouse. And I'm like, <laughs> Gotcha, Dad. Yeah, yeah. Need no other description of that. Um, you know, I, and that was more of the uh, outhouse, I think. And that was a little stinky down there. Yeah, that was a tough one. That yeah, was a tough one. pretty brutal. But um, okay, so so we're going to identify what our weaknesses are. Mm-hmm. We're going to spend some time on that. If it's our pitching and chipping, you know, we're going to work on that. We're going to talk about some some fixes for your pitching and chipping. If it's your putting, we've given some drills out on that. We've given some fixes out on that. If it's Driving the ball in the fairway, you have a tendency to slice. We talked about that before too. So there are there are reasons that why your ball is going where it is, and it's not just man. It just doesn't feel right. It might not feel right. And I've said when I'm helping you with your game before, good because you don't want that to feel right. Yeah, if it feels right, you're not making enough of an effort to make a big enough change. Yep. So we but 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 folks, don't throw your strengths in the bucket. Also, keep keep those. You know, don't neglect those. Make sure you get out and take care of that a little bit. And um, it won't take nearly as much time on your strengths as it will on your weaknesses. But usually with those weaknesses, this is something to talk about quickly. You're going to have to make a change, and you're going to have to accept that the feel isn't going to seem – it's going to seem so odd and so off the rail to you that you – you're going to kind of blow your gaskets a little bit. Well, and part of kind of when you're taking an honest look at the whole thing, too, it's not the sexy part, but the bottom line is most of the shots are within, what, 100 yards, yeah, 50 no, yards of the green. No so when in doubt, work, work around there. You know, some of the folks I help a little bit, and some pretty decent players, I say to them, just from 100 yards and in, let's always have the goal that this thing's going to get on the green. And if we can start working on that type of thing, it's amazing. Back to the rhythm of the round, the confidence, the momentum, how much can kick, can kick in. But when you're missing the green, when you're chipping around the green, that's when things go. And, boy, does that feed the other way into the driver and the, and the rest of the game. Same, same with the putter. If you're doing the right things from inside of 100, you're not giving yourself 30 footers from the wrong side of the hole to where you could three-putt. Very well said. We're in the 19th hole. Folks, this is where you take a look at your game, jot down a couple notes while it's fresh in your mind, enjoy your beverage, enjoy your golf, and um, 
Man, I enjoyed this show. This uh, flew by again. Probably thanks for spending your morning with me. It was uh, great. Big sits. Thanks for the board and um, getting us through a, another show. Um, please keep the emails and uh, and things coming. Uh, J at jdelsinggolf.com. It's J-A-Y at J-A-Y-D-E-L-S-I-N-G-G-O-L-F.com. Hit them straight, St. Louis. That was Golf with Jay Delsing, brought to you by Whitmore Country Club. Tune in next Sunday from 7 to 8 for more from Jay, John, and the other pros and experts from the golf world. In the meantime, you can find all of Jay's shows at 101ESPN.com as well as at jdelsinggolf.com.